Sometimes, in order to make ends meet, people take up really high-paying jobs, like stripping. These types of jobs can help give you a head start on paying off some debt, but people don't realize how dangerous this can actually be. You will often get somebody who creates a false relationship or idea in their brain, and once turned down, will react violently. This was the case for Rachel Sieny, who only wanted to pay off her college debt, but instead got thrown off a bridge, alive. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today is episode two of the Rachel c case. I wanted to mention, a lot of you probably noticed that we uploaded for the first time on Friday, and I'm so excited that we got that done. Um, everything that could go wrong went wrong with that upload. I don't know why. I tried to record it a couple different times, my audio kept messing up, and then I wanted a whole new intro and outro, but for some reason, my system kept crashing on me over and over and over again, and so I just put a you know couple other things in it and just called it a night. So maybe that might change the intro and outro as of right now. We'll just leave it the same. I don't mind it. So hopefully you got a chance to listen to it. Um, I was pretty proud of it, and I'm not gonna lie, it was actually really fun to record. Um, I do think we're going to be able to upload on Friday as well again. Um, I already have some stuff written for that and some stuff planned, and so let's just expect to hang out on Friday too. I hope you guys are liking this twice a week upload as much as I am. It is actually really fun so far. I know we've only done it one time, but let's let's keep going on it, you know. I do want to go ahead and give everybody a little tiny bit of a warning. Um, I did have some health stuff come up um, last week. As of right now, we're still going to stick with the schedule, um, but I am probably going to have to have surgery soon. I am hoping that I'll have enough stuff banked and recorded so that way when I do have the surgery, um, we can just pretend like it never happened and you'll still get the uploads. But if something does go wrong and something does happen, I will keep you guys updated. Um, but I did want to let you know that and that, you know, my energy and stuff might not sound the same. Um, it's a lot. So I'll kind of let you guys know as I know more, I don't really know much. I'll know more in a couple of weeks and... Like I said, I'll, I'll keep you guys updated as I know, but yeah, so just some health issues came up and I hope that that doesn't really affect this because 2022 is supposed to be our year, especially for the podcast, and I really don't want anything to stop that. So anyways, that being said, let's go ahead and jump back into the Rachel c case. If you remember right, we left off talking about Jack and the suspicions and a little bit about him and we left off when the police reviewed the security footage and they discovered that Jack had what appeared to be a body in the back of his vehicle that was pulling away from the hotel. The reason I say believe 
is because if you guys follow any sort of police department pages or FBI pages or anything like that, you probably have noticed that the surveillance footage is very bad. It's very low quality. It's very blurry. And that was the exact same thing that was happening at this hotel. The image that the police were looking at was very blurry, but it was clear enough for the police, the authorities, for everybody that reviewed it to believe that this was definitely a body in the back of this truck. They did keep it kind of hushed-hushed at this point, but they actually had a motorcyclist come forward to the authorities and talk about what happened that night and what he had witnessed. This motorcyclist had driven by this Dodge Ram pickup truck at about 3.30 a.m. During this drive-by, they actually ended up looking into the bed of the truck, and that is where they saw a body. They described this body as dressed in white socks and dark-colored pants, but they talked about how they thought that this person was alive and that maybe they were just passed out after a party and the friend didn't want to deal with it, so they just threw him in the back of the truck, and they didn't really think anything of it until this whole situation with Rachel came out. With the police's video surveillance, with their suspicions, and now with this motorcyclist coming forward, they were able to confirm that this body was in fact Rachel and that they did have footage of Jack driving away with Rachel's body. They obviously could not tell if it was dead or alive, but they knew that Jack was involved at this point. This motorcyclist actually also gave a description of the man driving the truck. One of the big important notes that he told the police was that the man's hair was slicked back and wet looking like he had just gotten out of the shower. I didn't mention at the beginning of this though that this was a couple of years later. Like I said, this motorcyclist thought the person in the back was passed out drunk. They did not believe that it was a dead body until it did get leaked about this video surveillance footage that the authorities did have. And that is when they finally decided to come forward with this information. This was the point that the police finally had enough evidence to seize the truck. And they searched it. But because it had been a couple years, this truck had been cleaned very, 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 very well. Luckily, though, they were able to gather just barely enough blood to do a DNA testing on it. Once this DNA testing was sent off, it was easily identified as Rachel's blood. The body in the footage, the body in the back of the truck the motorcyclist saw, all of this was in fact Rachel. This is the point where they confronted Jack with all of this information. He tried to play it off and informed the police that he was not driving the truck that night and that it could not have been him. He claimed to the authorities that his truck keys had been confiscated at one of the clubs he was drinking at because he was too drunk and they were afraid he was going to drive. And that during that night, somebody must have either A, made a copy of his truck keys 
found his truck, stole his truck, committed the crime and returned it, or B, after his truck keys were confiscated, they took his truck, went and committed the crime, and then returned the keys to him. Obviously, the investigators did not believe this. They knew this was bullshit, and they had no intent on letting Jack get away with anything. They also brought up to Jack that they had witnesses that talked about how early, 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 Jack was walking around the parking lot smelling very, very clean and looking like he had just gotten out of the shower. He didn't say a word to anybody and he just walked through this parking lot and disappeared. Remember that motorcyclists also claimed that it looked like Jack had just gotten out of the shower. Now, Jack maintained his innocence the whole time. The only thing that he told the authorities was that that night he invited Rachel to come into the hotel with him and smoke some marijuana. That was it, and that she had left on her own, and she was fine the last time he saw her. Now, I want to talk about what the police believe happened. They do believe that the beginning of the story was true, that Jack was telling the truth. Jack and Rachel went back to Jack's hotel to smoke some marijuana together but everything would go downhill from there. They believed that when Rachel walked him to his hotel, that he offered the marijuana to her. She decided that she was going to do it. They are slightly unsure of this. If they go off of Jack's story, that's what they believe, or they believe that Jack forced it. They do lean more towards Jack telling the truth, however, and that she did go in to smoke marijuana. Inside of this hotel room, it became apparent to Rachel of Jack's one-sided relationship, and she turned him down. They believed that Jack tried to put some sort of moves on her, and she quickly rejected him and informed him that this was a professional relationship, and she was not interested in anything Jack had to offer. This is when Jack would become enraged, not only because she did not feel the same way, but because it probably dawned on him how much money he had given Rachel, thinking that she liked him, only to find out she was only there for the profit. They think he lost control here. They think that being drunk and angry, he decided he was going to choke her and went a little too far. This is where they believe the pooling in her eyes would come from. And Jack probably thought when she passed out that he had killed her. Thinking as quickly as a drunk person could, he moved her body, which was actually just unconscious. He dragged her to the top of the window of this hotel room and left her body there temporarily. This is when he would walk outside and pull his truck around backing all the way towards the bottom of this window. Jack's thought process here and what he carried out would be that he was going to roll Rachel outside of the second story window and into the back of his truck so it was easier to move her. 
While he lifted her body over this windowsill though, he ended up losing his grip on her and Rachel fell and hit the ground instead of the truck bed, resulting in the blood stain in the parking lot. He would go back outside and load her fully into his truck and drive this body, still very much alive, passed out and injured to a bridge. This is the drive that he would be spotted by that motorcyclist we talked about earlier. Now Jack's goal was to make Rachel's death look like a suicide. And he decided the bridge she was found under would be the best option. He intended for her to hit the water and be swept away, looking like she jumped off of the bridge to commit suicide and died. But what he didn't account for was that she would not hit the water. Once he got to this bridge, he threw her over and just drove off. Didn't take a second glance, didn't check anything. But like I said, Rachel did not hit the water. She hit the grass next to it. This is when Rachel would end up dying from the injuries she sustained on impact. The internal bleeding she suffered is one piece of evidence that confirms that she was only unconscious, but still alive when she was thrown off that bridge. Once they had their theories, their witnesses, and Jack in custody, they had all the information they needed to book him and try to charge him. But Jack refused to talk. They would set his bail at $1 million, which would later be knocked down to about $500,000 instead. And they made him turn his passport over to the police so that he could not leave. During the bail hearing, a ton of his friends and family showed up to try and testify against the decision. They talked about how Jack was a good guy. Yeah, he made some mistakes while drinking especially, but Jack would never do something like this. Despite his friends and family's efforts, they still booked him and started his trial. This trial was only about a month long, during which, like I said before, Jack refused to say anything. He refused to go on the stand at all. And during this trial, they tried their hardest to paint Jack as a good guy. And he had 11 different people come onto the stand and talk about how amazing Jack was, how much of a good guy he was and how he could never do something like this. Jack was always truthful and honest and Jack could not kill someone. After they did that, the defense decided that they wanted to take a very different route than the usual route when somebody is in a situation like this. Usually they claim, quote unquote, she attacked me first and I defended myself, got scared and I ditched the body. But because Jack did not want to talk about anything that happened that night, they decided to take the trash the victim route. This is one reason why they decided to bring up a couple different people on the stand and talk about how amazing he was. Because in return to that, they could belittle Rachel and her job. They could talk about how terrible Rachel was and how she asked for it and all these things, all the while making Jack look like a much better person. 
A lot of them would talk about how it's impossible that Jack could do that, that he's not the type of person to just kill someone. But think about Ted Budney. A lot of people just thought Ted was a super nice guy. So many people never thought Ted would be able to kill someone the way he did, that, that Ted was normal and not a psychopathic serial killer. So it's very easy to manipulate the people who don't want to see the evil, who don't want to see the bad in you. And I think that Jack did just that. They did bring up a couple of good points, I guess you could call it, about how they had three different autopsies done on Rachel's body. And every single one of them had a different cause of death. So, in that reasoning, they could not prove if she had actually jumped off that bridge or not. When all was said and done, it only took the courts two hours on November 29th, 2002, to sentence him to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. Jack will have his very first parole hearing in August of 2032. Still to this day, he claims his innocent. He says he didn't do it and that they charged the wrong man. He has filed appeal after appeal and at one point he did have an appeal go through and they did plan on releasing him. But when the Supreme Court got wind of it, they quickly shut that down and overturned it. In their eyes, Jack was rightfully sentenced and he was there to stay. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.